friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? Today, we are going to be talking about a new series that we're starting called Speaking of the Enneagram. This is a series all about how the Enneagram comes up in conversation and how to communicate with people about the Enneagram in a way that is uplifting and not hurtful or harmful. I've talked to so many people who have been really, really hurt just kind of in passing as people have asked them what their type is or people have assumed things about them at work or just harmful ways that the Enneagram has been used. So I thought it would be helpful to do a series all about just kind of setting some best practices ground rules on how do we talk about this thing in a way that is beneficial for everyone. So we're going to start by talking about how do you bring up the Enneagram in conversation? Um, if you want to know somebody's Enneagram type, if, and this is, this is where I hear people tell me stories often of someone's asked them what their Enneagram type is, and they maybe don't even really know that person that well. And they, they tell them their Enneagram type and, and then they say something hurtful. And so we really, obviously, if you love the Enneagram, you're going to bring it up in, in conversation with people. Like that's normal. That's natural. It's a really powerful tool. And if it's been powerful in your life, then you want to share that. Um, but how do we do that in a way that is not making people feel cornered or analyzed um, or even feeling like they're being judged for their negative qualities instead of their positive ones. So um, if you're having a conversation with someone and um, you are talking about the Enneagram, maybe you don't ask them what their type is. Maybe that's not where you start. You don't start by being like, oh, hey, do you know your Enneagram type? Maybe that's not the best first response in bringing up that conversation. Maybe you can volunteer your type without ever directly asking what someone else's type is. And they may want to get to know you a little better or build a deeper level of trust before divulging such a personal piece of info. Like, like maybe ask some other questions first. Um, do you like the Enneagram? Do you know much about the Enneagram? Have you found the Enneagram to be useful? Do you Maybe then you ask, do you know your type? This leaves them the option to still not tell you. Um, if, if you ask, oh, do you know your type instead of what type are you? It, it keeps people from feeling cornered because they could be like, oh, yeah, I do know my type. I found the Enneagram to be really, really useful. With, and that kind of gives them an out if they don't feel comfortable telling you what their type is. So my question, because my personality is like, I would have no reservations telling someone my type. It seems kind of like, yeah, if you're you're a number, you're a number. So have you had conversations with people where they didn't want to give their type? And why do you think that is? Yeah, so I think some of it depends on how people came to know about the Enneagram and what their experience of it has been. The certain Enneagram teachers can kind of harp on the negatives a little bit more than the positives and can word things in a, a harsher way. And so if that's been your introduction to the Enneagram, when people ask you what your Enneagram type is, you may be feeling every negative thing that's ever been spoken about you. The like, so like you're type three. So 
No, I'm not going to do that. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to just th- throw yeah, me under yeah. the bus? Let's just, let's just say every negative thing about Amanda. Um, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. So as a type seven, what I could be, you know, I've, I've had, like, I remember my stepmother called me a drama queen as a kid and my, um, my grandmother said I was irresponsible or, um, you know, there have been different points in my life when I've been a little flaky and like those labels that, um, are spoken over us are lies that we believed that we've had to get healing from over the years. Sometimes I I think what happens is people, they feel like when, when parts of the Enneagram touch on those, those things, like as a seven, I'm called the enthusiast. Like, yeah, I could come across as a drama queen sometimes, like, um, or like, um, I, I did struggle to take responsibility for the boring and mending tasks in my life, um, as a kid, because I wanted to have fun all the time. I'm a seven. And so because this, the, the personality type touches on the places where I was wounded, um, which Mm -hmm. I really personally haven't struggled with this, but I've talked to several people who have, um, it can come up as, oh, you're saying that you see those negative qualities about me and that's how you see me. Mm, So like um, I asked about this on my social media today and one person said, you know, they were, they're a nine and because they're called the peacemaker, they've struggled with being labeled as a people pleaser throughout their life. And some people interchange that, oh, you're a peacemaker, you're a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't want to give their number because they just don't want to like have those labels be put on them immediately in that relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And so some of that is how the Enneagram is taught. And I really hope that I teach the Enneagram in a way that doesn't um, that, that invites people into being healed from those labels and shows them that really there's a giftedness there that the enemy has tried to use against them. Um, as a weakness, but um, that I'm also calling out the gifts and callings and purposes of God in people's lives and their true identity in the Lord way beyond their personality. But for people that have learned the Enneagram from other teachers that do talk about it in a really harsh way, um, it, it can be sensitive. Mm-hmm. And depending on where they're at on, in their healing journey, they just may not, they, they may not have healed from a wound and, and it could be like, oh yeah, here's my wounds. Like, I'm going to just share that with you, even though I don't know you that well. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important to just give people the option, especially if, if you don't know them that well, um, to say, oh yeah, I, I do know my type, but I don't feel very comfortable sharing that. So yeah, does that make sense? Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, cool. So next, I want to talk about how to respond when someone does tell you their type. So, you know, say, you know, you you ask someone, oh, do you know your type? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a four. Well, then how you respond in that moment means a lot to them. It can really... Yeah, you don't just say, oh, wow, so you're really weird. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. um, at an Enneagram workshop I did a couple of weeks ago, a girl mentioned that, 
um, somebody asked her what her Enneagram type was and she was like, oh, I'm a six. And the person said, oh, do you struggle with anxiety? Mm. Like what kind of person, like who does that? Like that's not going to hurt someone. So, and, and I think historically I probably haven't been great at this. <laughs> like I, I, I have so many memories of when I first got into Myers-Briggs and I was typing all my friends and like I was probably mm-hmm. wounding people left and right and had no clue. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's important that when in, in that moment when somebody tells you what their type is, that you respond by calling out the best in them. So mm-hmm. say someone's like, oh, I'm a type four. Then I would be like, oh, wow, yeah, I totally see that in you. You are so creative and so introspective and intuitive and empathetic and compassionate. And you're such a great listener. And I totally see that gifting in you for being an observer of beauty in the world. Um, do, you, do you like what how, what do you feel like you've learned from the Enneagram? Right. And so basically saying, oh, I see all these beautiful qualities in you. So that way they're not hearing, oh, because because what I, I think I've said a lot is, oh, that makes sense. And not followed it up. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? What do you mean? Oh, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. What, what uh-huh. makes sense about that? Oh. <laughs> and And so I think it's really important to follow it up with the the things that about that type that you recognize in the person mm-hmm. or maybe just asking them that's cool what do you think are like the qualities of that number that you identify with the most oh I love that question I think that's perfect yeah especially if it's someone that you haven't met because then you wouldn't be able to say oh well I see you know how you have like observe beauty it's like no i I don't know you yet but yeah yeah especially if you you're just getting to know the person that yeah. makes sense yeah but like giving them the chance to interpret how they see themselves in the number instead of asking questions that are just I mean like think about how awkward it is to ask someone about some of probably some of their biggest insecurities in your first conversation about them and like I feel like society or like our generation is a lot more comfortable about talking about you know the bad parts of ourselves or our insecurities because of you know on Instagram there's a meme about oh my gosh I'm so lazy and turns out everybody is lazy like me is I feel like what um you know like the memes where it's like you know just making fun of the parts of that ourselves that are like all human or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and so we're just kind of, we're in that zone of kind of making fun of ourselves a little bit. You know, we're, we're in this whole nobody's perfect mentality these days, which is great, but you know, it might not necessarily translate the same way when you're having a conversation that's like pinpointing um, those, you know, tough insecurities. So don't just assume that, all the people that you're talking to are going to just jump in and, you know, be ready to make fun of something that maybe they're struggling with that day or um, things like that. I think that's where we get a little too comfortable. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, and I feel like that leads really well into the last point of this episode, which is how to respond when someone asks for your type. I think I've learned the hard way and am still learning to let people earn my trust. Um, you, you don't have to offer up that information. Um, it, there's, it, it's like telling someone your Enneagram type is like, it's not like another personality assessment. Other personality assessments are like, these are the behaviors that tend to characterize this person. This is like telling someone your blood type or like your, um, like your most traumatic experiences. The Enneagram literally details out supposed childhood wounds. Like there's, there's yeah. core messages, subconscious motivations. Like you, you don't have to share that information with someone if you aren't comfortable with them yet. Um, you can, you have total freedom to change the subject <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or to, 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 people will believe what you tell them. <laughs> um, and, and really <laughs> like you can, you can choose to only tell them certain things about your Enneagram type if, if, and, and what you relate to and where you're comfortable with letting them in as far as that goes, because, uh, for me to communicate with somebody I just met about my Enneagram type, I don't need to tell them, oh, yeah, like I just couldn't handle um, I, di- I didn't have the tools to handle emotional trauma as a child. So I retreated into my head and dreamed of all the things that I would do in the future. And now that coping mechanism isn't serving me anymore. Like that's actually <laughs> like pretty personal. Like, yeah, that's not like small talk kind of conversation. And like I, there are times when I've said things like that in conversation with someone I just met and then walked away feeling a little vulnerable. Like, oh, like I, I feel like I overshared there and that I, I don't know if that person was really trustworthy enough for me to give them that part of my story. Yeah. And so I think vulnerability is important. That's that's not what we're saying here. Like, absolutely be vulnerable. But in, in the process of doing that, also let people earn your trust. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a big temptation with the Enneagram because you don't realize um, just how telling it is because it's it is just limited to these, you know, few numbers, you know, there's the main types and then you have the wings. And so there, there are like really intricate aspects of it. But like, if you are generalizing the numbers and you're just asking, you know, the more general questions, um, if you both have the same language, it's really easy to like slip down under surface level and just start saying these really heavy things because you've already You've both already processed those things, but you're still, you know, a real person processing those things with someone who maybe you just don't want to process with. But yeah. but you're not realizing that it's getting so deep because you've already you've already, you know, created the language for it through the Enneagram. So I don't know if that even makes sense. That, but it's, That totally makes sense. You're basically saying like because you're going to a deeper level with someone because the language is already there to go deep. Like you're, mm-hmm. it's setting the, the groundwork to have a deeper conversation, which sometimes is really great and is yeah. an awesome way to connect with someone. And sometimes um, can, can, if the person isn't trustworthy, like it, 
it it can be not a safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it also depends on how people are using the Enneagram and how they've been taught it. And, you know, I've heard stories of people in work environments where they've had um, bosses that, you know, spoke horrible things over them because they knew their Enneagram type and just read into their Enneagram type so much stereotyping and um, labels that weren't true and really just didn't need to be spoken over that person. So I think being really intentional with thinking through like, okay, what, what, how much do I want this person to know? And how much do I trust this person? Like letting someone earn your trust, I think is so important. You don't have to tell anyone your Enneagram type if you don't want to, or if you feel like they're not a safe person. Mm -hmm. So I think part of, of, People not being hurt in this process is taking responsibility for letting people earn your trust, but also giving space for people in exchange to not share their Enneagram type if they don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's good. And that's not going to apply to everybody. Like, I mean, honestly, I probably I'm I'm always going to be fine telling someone I'm a three. If I just met you, I probably wouldn't care because I feel like. Um. And maybe I would say this one day and then like next week I have some like sort of crazy random thing and I'm like, oh, I don't like this anymore. (laughs) Um, So we'll see. Uh, But, you know, I feel like I wouldn't have any hesitations about that because that's just my personality. But, you know, maybe someone has been wounded or, you know, so you don't have to feel. Yeah. Like you said, no one deserves to know anything about you that you don't want them to know yeah and yeah it may seem kind i i feel like it seems kind of dramatic to say it but like no it's just yeah yeah for sure so um uh last point is when you are responding telling someone what your enneagram type is i i feel like it's super important and other people may feel like i'm over spiritualizing it or overreacting, reading too much into it. But I think when you say I'm a three or I'm a seven, which I think both of us have said multiple times in this episode, so whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, that it can it can you it's like every time you say that like our words have power, they have significance, and it's like you're attaching part of your identity, part of who you are, to that number. And over the mm. years, that that can do something to a person. And, and I've, I've, I've walked people through thinking that they were one type finding out, oh my gosh, I'm really this other type. I, I didn't know this whole time that wasn't who I was yeah and struggling with identity issues in that process. But our identity isn't in our personality type. And so when you tell people what your Enneagram type is, don't say I'm a seven, say my Enneagram type is a seven wing six with a one-to-one subtype like you you, you, can, you can you can add however if much you know what that is in, or yeah <laughs> we'll get to subtypes someday um and and you can say oh my my Myers-Briggs type is ENFP or my strengths my personality strengths are these but those are descriptors of you like um I have red hair. I am not defined by my redheadedness and I don't want to be (laughs) like, you know, like, (laughs) and that is not all of who you are. It's an aspect of who you are and personality is the same way. And in the same way, your job does not define all of who you are. Um, I, I, 
I work as an Enneagram coach, but that is not my identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, like, it doesn't mean that you should feel bad if you ever say that you're, you know, I'm not going to feel bad if I say I'm yeah. a three. But that is something to be just aware of. Always like to go back to and make sure you're reminding yourself that it's not your identity. And, um, you know, be aware if you if you're talking to someone else. Well, you don't say, well, you're uh, this number, so you must do blah, blah, blah. Like that could potentially actually be a really hurtful sentence. Like I have mm-hmm. I have a friend who is a one. And so I could say, well, you're a one. So you're just not going to understand why I want to have fun all the time. It's like yeah. that could be a really hurtful um sentence to someone who genuinely does want to have fun like ones want to have fun too (laughs) so um you know but that's like an over stereotype it's putting her um identity into a number and then pulling negative connotations from that and it's just rude so yeah let's not do that let's not be rude with the enneagram let's be nice let's let's all learn and heal together and grow in compassion for one another and not use personality to assume or manipulate or try and pr- control people a lot of times i think people are just trying to be self-protective by feeling like they can read people and control outcomes because they know their personality types and that's just not true people are so specific and individualized for so many reasons and there are so many beautiful things about personality but nothing is true across the board for anyone so I think it's a starting place to ask questions not to assume not to like start the relationship assuming you already know everything about this person All right. Well, that's it for today. Tune in next week for um, part two of our Speaking of the Enneagram series. I'm so grateful for those of you who've been sharing and listening to the podcast. If you loved this episode or if you learned something new today, please leave a review on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at Originality Podcast or at Just Loves Personality. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I would like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you'll become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.